Welcome to Good and Decent, a podcast by Grotto Network. Stories of ordinary people living in extraordinary ways. Episode 5, Finding Friendship. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Josh. Some people are giving me some feedback about the pod. We should introduce ourselves a little better, I think. So I'm Josh. I'm a video producer and sometimes host and producer of this podcast show you're listening to. I'm Sarah Toms. I am an average human. (laughs) I think you're above average and especially above average help with this podcast. That's kind of your role with Grotto now. You're mostly just hosts, right? Just podcasting on the side. I work with college students, uh, sort of residence life at university, and I love podcasts and kind of approached our senior editor in Grotto uh, and said, hey, Grotto needs a podcast. And he was like, yeah, we know. And I was like, (laughs) no, no, Grotto needs a podcast and I need to be a part of it. And he was like, I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, because just me getting a little bold. And then here we are today. So I give a lot of a debt of gratitude to our other Josh on the Grotto team for being generous enough to actually include me in the conversation, give me a seat at the table. Yeah, I think senior editor Josh Nome is actually, he could possibly come up a few times today in conversation. Oh, great. Today, Sarah, friendship is what I brought you to our virtual studio to talk about. I just told you, we're talking about friendship. Meet me on Zoom at 10 o'clock. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm excited to chat about this. I mean, friendship is something that is so central to my life. And yeah, I'm really excited to hear what you're going to throw out there today. Yeah. I've just been thinking a lot about friendship lately. And as normal on this pod, we kind of toss to a couple of video essays of our mini docs and try to learn from them. But before we do that, you need to hear this. Okay. All right. I'm ready. This is actually from Hunter Cates. He wrote this article for Grotto. According to a 2019 poll, 30% of millennials say they felt lonely. Hmm. 22% said they have zero friends. Whoa. And 30% say they have no best friends. Wow. This is before COVID torpedoed even more relationships. Like, that's shocking, right? That is. That's a third, almost a third of people that are experiencing loneliness and feel like they don't have many people to to be in that with them. Yeah. It puts it into perspective. This is like a friendship is a problem right now, I think, for me personally, and seems to be widespread. Yeah. (laughs) Let me bring us back up. Let's jump into our first video essay. This is actually really hopeful. You'll like this. Okay. Okay, great. Need, Need a little hope after that statistic. In the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, Jonathan Bearded Blevins sits in a computer chair facing two monitors. On the right monitor, we see a chat interface. Notifications and new messages are a constant flow. On the left monitor, we can see that Jonathan is playing a popular first-person shooter platform called Fortnite. Jesus, what did he do when he walked around? He went to where people were spending their time. He met people where they were at. He's playing Fortnite with a friend and streaming their games live on an app called Twitch, where he happens to have over 40,000 subscribers. Absolute yes! Let's go, dude. Swear to me! (laughs) 
Movie critics hated Bane as a villain. I thought he depicted evil better than anyone else because there was just no reason for it. He streams like this 10 to 15 hours a week, and that's on top of his full-time job as a lay minister at a local Catholic church. Jonathan told me that he had warned his followers that Grotto Network would be here filming for the stream, so there's a little bit of extra buzz in the chat room. I confessed to him that I didn't understand why so many people were virtually hanging out watching him play video games. He thought for a second, slurped down a blue shield drink in the game, and then passed on my question to the people watching the stream. Okay, so here's the question, you guys. What is the reason that you watch the stream and why you hang out in this community? Share that now, and I'll, I'll read some of the answers. Let's go, dude! After Jonathan asked that question for me, he and his partner promptly placed first out of 50 other duo teams. And then he started reading the responses. So all that Jazz for says, I can't really articulate it, but being here makes me happy and I feel more optimistic even when I'm stressed from life. It makes me feel like family. What you said about my cousin is amazing. It motivates me to better my own faith. I was brought back to I watched the stream because John is a positive person that... Dude. Okay, I wasn't ready for this, okay? I hear stories like that, but you never know if you're still making a difference, and so that was cool. God is good. Yeah. Earlier that day, Jonathan let us follow him to his workplace. At that time, he happened to be working at the same Catholic church that he had grown up going to. My brothers and I, we were just super goofy. There was just sometimes it just got contagious and it got out of hand. We're going to call this the old spot right here. This is probably 50% of the time. Hitting my brothers on both sides, getting moved. My brother is Ninja, literally the most popular streamer on the planet. I like to think like ever ancient, ever new. And so now we ask the question, where are people at? And whether you like it or not, many of them are online watching people play video games. And so the gospel belongs there as well. And I think they know I'm serious. At the end of every stream, I pray for everyone in my stream and for uh, the, for the intentions and then even ones that aren't listed. And I think they know that and trust that too. And you know what? The Dark Knight Rises, there are people who choose good and there are people who choose evil and then there are people who stay in their homes. Those are called the moral relativists. The Lord says in Revelation, I would, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. I'd rather you be hot or cold. And so many people choose chose nothing in that Batman movie. Man, what a movie. There's a wall right here. I see someone coming. I see someone coming. Marshmallow. Oh! Let's go! Dude! Off oh, the snowboard! Are you kidding me? Somebody clip it. Off the snow? Are you serious? Off the snowboard, dude. Going full blast. Let's get it. Where is Can Peter? Anybody find me?
That was pretty joyful. <laughs> it is, and it's, it's really relatable. I play Fortnite with my brothers and my dad, and sometimes we say let's go with just that same amount of enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a family affair for you guys. Yeah, but what's cool about Jonathan, quote, bearded Blevins, is that like he created a community and then he also has like legit friends too like i don't know if you you heard his voice sometimes in there but he plays with these two twins called the bonsai brothers that's like their (laughs) twitch name or whatever and they're like they seem to be like really good friends like i just thought that's really cool i don't think i've seen anyone play a video game that wasn't like mario kart in (laughs) a decade so this guy is playing a video game with other people on the internet and then Another group of people are watching him play the video game and like jumping in the chat yeah. to talk. And then our mini doc okay. is me watching those people watch him or something. <laughs> Inception. It's truly. The first time you hear about people watching other people play video games, it's a little bit mind blowing. It seems boring. That's how I felt. Yeah. Why aren't people playing their own video games? Exactly. But. And that was a couple of years ago that I first had those feelings. Now I'm a little like I've had Twitch on my phone for a while. What is that? Twitch is uh, it's a video platform. OK. People people stream there and it has like the chat function built kind of right into it. OK. This is good. This is I know why you brought me on so we can help explain <laughs> to the audience all the things I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it'd be kind of like people watching cooking shows. It's like, why aren't you cooking? Yeah. But you're like watching someone else cook. With maybe, and maybe one day you will cook. And then maybe same with you. Like you're watching this so that you can adopt the strategies of. Yes. Yes. That's a big one. Bearded Blevins. Okay. You're like learning from him. I want to get into the definition of friend here. And I know that's usually like a boring way to start a term paper or something. But the top definition is a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection typically exclusive of sexual or family relations. So it's not a spouse. It's not your mom or dad. There's something else. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important what you said, that it's outside of the context of family. I'm a single woman who doesn't live really close to my family. And Mm -hmm. I need like a community and a network where I am. And more than that, I need people looking out for me and who I can look out for. And those are my friends for me. I mean, they form truly the backbone of of my everyday life. Do you think that bond, it's real, right? It's not just... It's absolutely real, yeah. And it withstands the test of time. I mean, it's a funny thing to be in someone's bridal party because you meet other women that were important to the bride throughout her entire life. So you meet like her childhood friends who knew her when she was like in sixth grade on the soccer team. And then we meet these people that were part of her like year of service after graduation when she was kind of having like... You don't like those new friends. What are they doing (laughs) here? Where'd they come from? (laughs) They're trying to replace me. And they just... It's amazing to see how people who are part of this person's life, we all get along like we all had things to talk about because we have this mutual affection for this one person and she's impacted our life. So I think not only like you and your friend have a bond, but everyone that your friend has a bond with, you're sort of like tangentially related to them too. That's cool. I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, this is, this is, this is our human network. I think for me, when I'm in a good place, that is like my favorite thing about friendship. It's that we as humans are creating something that's 
invisible but real like it is some sort of magic yeah but sometimes and especially for me lately maybe that magic is turning into more of like a mirage because it's like (laughs) maybe we do need something like shared parents or similar careers to make it work if it's revolve if it's not about your family and it's about your hobbies what happens when my hobbies change what happens when blevins in five or ten years isn't playing Fortnite? Or maybe even video games anymore. What happens to those friendships? Yeah. Gosh, I don't know. I would hope that there are some friends that, you know, something about your sort of core values and person is similar. And the affection you have for each other isn't limited to your hobbies. I would hope. Yeah. But I don't know. What are you thinking? This tweet I saw by the artist SZA, SZA. (laughs) Yes. She tweeted, I want better friendships in 2021, so I'm going to be a better friend. And I retweeted it and wrote, like, this feels right. And I don't know really why. Just, like, when I read that, it really, like, Mm. struck me. And, like, Liz from the Grotto team, she tweeted to me, like, hey, man, you doing okay? (laughs) So I I really appreciated that. But You're good. (laughs) I think maybe we should go back to a Grotto story for some inspiration. Okay. For so many people, at every phase of life, there's an abiding question. How do I find community? How do I meet my people? That was a question on Pilar Amato's mind as she navigated the city of Chicago. Her grotto team joined Pilar at the gym one day to meet her community of climbers of color. Over a decade ago, she found a love for indoor rock climbing but she was looking for community within climbing. And when it didn't exist, she took it upon herself to create it. Pilar co-founded Sending in Color, so others would feel welcome. Side note, the word sending means successfully climbing a route on the rock wall. It might even drive from the word ascend. Climbers are so cool. Technically, I started climbing 11 years ago. I'm old. (laughs) I didn't know like many climbers of color either. Like I knew a couple, but it was just hard because there was nothing in the community. And like, it can be really intimidating to get into. Pilar stretches before her climb and we see her attempt a difficult ascend solo. She falls back on the soft mat beneath her and with a smile rolls forward and springs up to do it all again. weird that was weird pilar has a contagious energy about her as she moves through the gym greeting old friends and meeting new ones she organizes monthly meetups at the climbing gym if you guys want to join us i can teach you maybe a thing or two but if if not just feel free to climb sure the initial idea was to like, you know, maybe just have an Instagram group. I kind of wanted a little more, but I finally got new shoes. Oh, I love the leggings. Oh, thanks. I, I like that this is shorter too. We watch as she ascends the rock climbing wall. 
carefully placing her bright purple shoes in the colorful yellow, pink, or green hand and footholds. Often at these meetups, she introduces several new people to climbing. She models a kind of bravery, both in her attempt and ability to connect with strangers and make them friends, and in some of the difficult routes she chooses on the wall. And like the community, I've made such good friends climbing. It's like, they're like my best friends in life. Like my boyfriend climbs too, that's how we met. So it's just, you know, it's become part of my life. (laughs) Having these hangouts is not to just meet other climbers, it's like, you know, to encourage those people who have never tried it to be like, oh, like, you know, this is gonna be maybe like a more friendly environment. I'm not going to be by myself. And then there's someone there who can guide me a little more through my first experience climbing. This is scary. I don't want to do this. Like, there's a point where, like, I feel safe on that last hole. And then at some point, I'm like, nope. What's your name? Stephanie? Oh, don't worry. We're all climbers. (laughs) Later, she stands by as the new climbers attempt their ascents. Her encouragement is also contagious. The other new members join in cheering on their newfound community. For Pilar, she found her people by seeking them out. She helped create the community she wanted. The desire is there. I mean, people are looking for this kind of spaces to join and like, you know, I was not expecting anything and then now we host monthly hangouts with regular people, new people. just a matter of like showing up it's like you know you put in a little bit of extra work and people are very supportive so that works rock climbing how to form community is a grotto story it was produced by kevin DeClute. i think what i like about her is her hobbies might change but you can tell like she's ready to put the work in yeah. to, to make friends, to be a better rock climber, to be a better fill in the gap. I mean, it's really cool what Bearded Blevins was doing virtually. She's kind of doing in person. And I think both are really important, as we've seen over yeah. the last year. Pilar also makes me kind of feel bad about myself because <laughs> I feel like I have this friendship void. That, and I feel like it's mostly my fault. Pilar moved to a new place. She figured out what she lacked and she like created it. Yeah. And here I am. My like few of my very, very oldest best friends live like within a couple miles of me. And I'm telling you, it is rare that we see each other. Let's just put it out there that you are married. You have children. You have a full-time job. There's a lot more going on in your life. Maybe just at least a lot more humans that you live with. So I can I can imagine that it gets more complicated. I don't want to refer to my own children as excuses, but <laughs> I mean. <laughs> so you're feeling like you you need to channel your inner Pilar and like get people together. I don't think I even have to put myself out there as much as Pilar, you know. <laughs> and here here's one of the things. I've found a lot of the things we talk about are sports related. And my interest mm-hmm. in sports has waned over the years. I kind of had to cover sports as a job intensely for five or six years and i know if i go hang out with my friends it's going to be all about sports right so 
I don't know. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these interests change. I feel like that you, you have to find this piece, that magic bond. You got to like trust that it's in place, even when you may not see each other or hear from each other as, as often. And that's actually a big theme you'll hear about when you read anything about the friendship of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm. Not only do they talk about the importance of that bond remaining even when they don't see each other as often but they're also big into the uh the closeness of sharing the ups and downs is part of what like deepens the friendship when c.s lewis first read the first couple books or chapters of lion the witch in the wardrobe tolkien like yeah wrote wrote oh sorry yeah go ahead yeah say that again i thought you said read he did so they met they and like another group of their friends would meet twice a week and they're called the inklings yes i took a class on them in college (laughs) one day of the week it would mostly be it seems like just like drinking and hanging out totally at a pub in oxford that i've sat in and visited and it was so cool but yeah so they would just sit they would just sit and have a pint and and then what but then their next meeting they would read their works aloud to each other so i said c.s lewis read he did out loud like orate the lion the witch and the wardrobe when he was first writing it yeah and tolkien trashed all over it he was even purported to have said that narnia is quote about as bad as it can be oh my god you know he came around eventually and i think him saying that early on in the process like helped c.s lewis make it better but Mm -hmm. i do feel like sometimes i get sucked in this trap of like i haven't seen this friend for a long time like i need to be extra nice so they want to hang out with me again yeah yeah upbeat (laughs) make it fun We should do this again soon. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like that's not that's not deep friendship. Deep friendship is the kind where you come as you are. And I, I have a friend who says, you know, good friendship is like sinking into a comfy chair. One last thing before we sign off, though, Sarah. Do you think work friends can become actual friends? I feel like 10 years ago, I would have said no. Work friends aren't huh. real friends. But I, hmm. I think I've changed. Yeah, I think so, too. I think... As long as your work friends don't only talk about work when you hang out. (laughs) Actually, a couple of the people in Grotto Network, I definitely know they are my actual friends. And I'm not going to name anybody because we don't need to make people jealous and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably cut that out. You were correct yesterday. You have to leave it in. Okay. So I asked the question about work friends because we have a video at Grotto that is about preserving nature. But I want to show it to you in the context of look at these like three men of different generations that you can tell are really close friends now. And All right. Typically, we do two video essays per episode, but uh, I thought I'd up it to three. Bonus. One bonus video essay. Yes. Turkey Hunters from Central Michigan. Oh, my gosh. Meet Ryan. Ryan works for the National Wild Turkey Federation. Years ago, wild turkeys were eradicated from the state of Michigan. The NWTF, with partners, has played an instrumental role in oak savanna restoration and the reestablishment of wild turkeys across the country. A license plate that reads Gobble is seen as the engine revs. Ryan drives the pickup truck with his friend and colleague Steve in the back seat and explains what a turkey call is. 
Yeah, so this is um, a call that you can use to mimic sounds of wild turkey. Some little raspier, some higher pitch. Just takes a little bit of practice, a little bit of time. Steve, if you were to put hours in terms of how, how long you've had a turkey call in your mouth. Oh my, <laughs> many hours. My wife didn't want me to do it too much in the house. <laughs> Josh Long and I drove up to Sumner, Michigan to stay with Ryan and his crew for a few days to document and learn all about wildlife conservation and turkeys. On the second day of our trip, we woke up real early before the sun was up for our turkey hunt. Ryan is seen going through his shotgun shells, shaking them one at a time. It looks to be some part of his hunt prep routine. Trying find the one that's most densely packed. So if it really has much to do with it or not. It's just an old superstition. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> Ryan and his friends packed up their hunting gear and we headed out into the dark of the morning. The guys set up their turkey blind and decoys and we waited, keeping our voices low. We watched the sun come up, birds flying overhead, a deer in the distance, a light morning rain. It was just peaceful. And after hours of waiting, we didn't see a single turkey. Ryan seemed to be very much in his element out there. One of the best things about hunting is being able to, to step back and be able to look at God's creation and be able to enjoy that. And, and um, each, each day is so unique, each opportunity you have to be able to spend time in the woods, the things that you get to see, uh, the people you get to experience those experiences with. Um, truly, it's, it's, it's a remarkable thing. It's something that I wish uh, more folks had the opportunity to be able to experience. the U.S. loses two million acres of wildlife habitat every year. Ryan and Steve are seen setting up a sign that is titled, Saving Our Oak Savannas. One thing we really pride ourselves on is creating forest ecosystems that are imperiled and, and enhancing those. So if we have greater diversity of plants, we'll have greater diversity of wildlife species. Uh, and that's our, one of our ultimate goals. Um, you don't hear a lot of information about oak savannas or the management of it, but uh, we've lost 99.9% .9 of savannas that were here prior to European settlements. Ryan described the food chain like one big web that interconnects everything, and if one food source gets cut out, it affects everything else. I grew up hearing a lot about preservation of forests, you know those signs at parks that basically say not to touch anything in the woods, but conservation, it's a bit different. 
Oak savanna habitats are a remarkable habitat type and, and ecosystem that a number of species rely on. When you take a few trees out, it opens up the canopy, so it allows more sunlight to get to that forest floor. And then what you get then is the regeneration of native grasses and wildflowers, uh, and a number of other critters just love these types of habitats. That's why we're, we're placing a great focus on it. And it also makes remarkable wild turkey habitat. Ryan was so knowledgeable about the plants in the oak savanna habitats that he would literally just bend down and name any plant we walked by. He showed us some white oak, horse mint, big blue stem, little blue stem, Indian grass, sweet fern, bracken fern, sassafras, and wild blueberry. Ryan then notices some turkey droppings on the ground. We've got uh, a dropping there. Yep. Looks like a cheese puff. So the boys and us went out for another turkey hunt. They set up the blind and decoys again, and we waited. This time, turkeys approached our blind, but were too close to shoot. So Ryan had to go grill style and chase him down on foot until he finally got one. A little more atypical than I ordinary fall hunt, but presented me with a, a clean shot, an opportunity to harvest a beautiful bird. You could tell that hunting for Ryan and his buddies was something not to be taken lightly. It was purposeful for eating and fellowship. You know, we all have an empathy towards the wildlife and the animals that we pursue after a harvest to be able to, to take some time to myself and give thanks where thanks are due. After the hunt, Ryan skinned the turkey and fried it up for us. Then we all gathered for a meal together with fried turkey and drinks. During one of the nights of our visit, Josh had the idea of having a little turkey call competition for the NWTF guys. They each took turns demonstrating their diverse array of turkey and wildlife calls. It was incredible. Here are some of the calls they did. First up is the hen or female turkey. Next is the gobbler or male turkey. And for the wildcard round, a drake mallard a crow, and a cow moose. The story ends with the NWTF crew wrapping up the competition as Steve makes the sound of a train in the distance. We all stood by watching, doing our best to hold back our laughter. Turkey Conservation and Oak Savannah Restoration is a Grotto Story produced by Josh Long and me, Ben Cruz. These guys all started out as work friends and like complete strangers, but I think 
you stay a couple overnights, have a couple whiskeys, shoot a couple <laughs> birds, do a couple bird calls in front of each other. You, you have to be friends after that. That's right. What a bonding, what a bonding experience. And you know what? I think that's a good model for for you and and your guy friends. Like, if you have something to do together, great. But it's also about those deeper moments of connection that go beyond sports. Maybe it's just up to you to push the conversation deeper than sports. What do you think? I think I just need to watch like a little bit of sports so I can talk to him. <laughs> just enough to talk. <laughs> we'll see. I'll fill you in. Okay. Well, next season, hopefully I'll report back. Yeah, check back in about friendships. And maybe by next season, you and I will say that we are real life friends. We'll see. <laughs> Prado Network is senior producer Javi Zubi Zaretta, senior editor Josh Nome, Liz Colloran is our assignment desk and event program manager, Michaela Douglas, web content strategist, Becky Ottman, graphic designer, Adrian Garalde is our social media manager, Josh Long, producer, Ben Cruz, associate producer, Tara Kelly and Aaron Williams are our treasured video interns. This episode was hosted by Sarah Toms and Josh Long. It was produced and edited by Josh Long. Yeah, I think that's what you that's when you have what people refer to as like, oh, we pick up where we left off when we talk. And I think if you can do that if you, Excuse me. You are interrupting the podcast. I don't know if we need to edit that. That's amazing. We could kind of hear the sound effects of you like locking the cage and the. It's not a cage. It's a crate. Okay, My okay. gosh. Um, she's crate trained. It's her home. It's her den. I'm gonna let you out, but you need to be quiet. Come on. There's a podcast. There's a podcast being recorded.